In the children's book No Ordinary Sound, a nine-year-old girl named Melody Ellison hears her older sister Yvonne described as radical. It's the year 1964, and Yvonne has come home to Detroit over her holiday break with a new afro and new ideas about civil rights. Yvonne's aunt, Tish, likes her new hairstyle. Some people don't like natural hair because it looks so different from what we're used to, Tish said. She looked at Yvonne thoughtfully. I think that style suits your face. I'm going to open a salon here as soon as I find a spot. I wonder if my future Detroit clients would like a style like that. I'm not sure how many young women are as radical as our Yvonne, Mommy said, opening the front door. What does radical mean? Melody asked. It means somebody who's willing to raise her voice, Yvonne said. Willing to raise her hair, too, Mommy said as she went inside. It's a small but interesting moment in author Denise Lewis Patrick's book, because Melody is caught up in a different kind of debate about radicalism, too. Melody, you see, is not just a character in Patrick's novels. She's the newest release in the American Girl Company's Be Forever line of historical dolls, which means that she is, first and foremost, a toy. And ever since American Girl first announced their plans to develop the Melody doll, she's been involved in a conversation about the radicalism of the company itself, sparked by a 2013 article in The Atlantic that accused American Girl of not being radical enough. For some onlookers, Melody is a response to that accusation. In the summer of 2016, when Melody first hit shelves, one Detroit newspaper proclaimed that her existence meant that American Girl dolls are returning to their radical roots. On today's episode of Death and Numbers, we'll be exploring that claim. Is Melody a radical children's toy? What does it mean to think about a doll in those terms? To answer that question, we'll think about the history Melody represents, the kind of play she inspires, and why it matters. For author Amy Schiller, who wrote the 2013 Atlantic article about American Girl, the word radical is tied up with political consciousness. Schiller writes that the company's dolls once provided what she describes as a point of entry for girls who would grow up to be, in her words, thoughtful, critical, empowered citizens. American Girl has been around since 1986, and the toy company's brand was built around its original product, a series of dolls, all young girls, that each represented a different moment in American history. Each doll was accompanied by a series of children's books, and each character allowed little girls to learn about history through the accessible, relatable lens of a girl their own age. While the approach may have been kid-friendly, the issues the characters tackled were complex and often difficult. Victorian-era Samantha struggled against child labor laws, Civil War-era Addie escaped from slavery, Felicity lived through the Revolutionary War. Schiller argues that these books confronted head-on some of the most difficult parts of history. Through engaging with these stories, little girls were introduced to issues of privilege, class consciousness, racism, and gender roles, and importantly, they learned to see themselves as agents of change. In other words, they began to develop a political consciousness. But, Schiller argues, that sensibility got lost in 1998 when toy giant Mattel bought American Girl and took the company in a different direction. The historical dolls remained, but some of the most beloved characters were eventually archived to make room for new product lines, which Schiller felt were bland in comparison. Now, she wrote, the company's identity feels as smooth, unthreatening, and empty as the dolls on their shelves. 
Schiller closes her article with a call for American Girl to get back in touch with its radicalism. After the entry-level critiques of capitalism, Samantha, Native American persecution, Kirsten, and traditional roles for women, Felicity, perhaps the time has come for a doll who takes her fourth grade class on a field trip to Occupy Wall Street. Okay, so Melody isn't an Occupy activist. But American Girl's newest character does seem to be, in some ways, an answer to Schiller's call. Perhaps it was the presence of big-name activists like Julian Bond on the advisory committee that designed Melody, but before the doll was even released, she was being hailed as, depending on your perspective, either a new era for American Girl or a return to the company's origins. Part of the reason for this reputation is the narrative that Melody represents— Set in 1960s Detroit, Melody is American Girl's first civil rights-era doll. The choice of her historical moment was intentional. 1960s Detroit would allow Melody to represent civil rights in a new way. To understand the significance of Melody's story, we have to think first about the way civil rights history is usually represented. Melody was debuted in 2016, in a moment when the nation was primed to remember the civil rights movement. A number of major milestones, like the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, were hitting their 50th anniversaries, sparking commemorations and celebrations across the country. Ava DuVernay's biopic Selma was released in 2014, and the 2015 death of Julian Bond prompted further reflection on the legacy of the civil rights era. All of these anniversaries, public forums, movies, and even just conversation about the civil rights movement are part of what scholars call public memory. And while each representation of civil rights history has its own nuances, scholars of civil rights memory argue that there are broad trends in the way we remember the civil rights movement. Taken together, these trends make up what historians Lee Rayford and Renee Romano call the consensus memory of the civil rights movement. That consensus memory tends to focus on the struggle of heroic, larger-than-life figures like Martin Luther King to end legalized segregation and gain voting rights in key battlegrounds like Birmingham and Selma. Here's how Rayford and Romano sum up this narrative. Charismatic and eloquent leaders led a nonviolent movement of African Americans and supportive whites in a struggle that sought to change legal and social, rather than economic, barriers to equality. This outline of civil rights history is accurate enough, but framing the movement in this way has consequences. It emphasizes individual heroes rather than the grassroots organizing of local communities. It assumes that racism and discrimination were mainly a problem in the South. And it focuses our attention on individual prejudice rather than pointing us towards systemic or economic oppression. These problems are often exacerbated in texts that present the civil rights movement to children, who are often assumed to need a version of history that is simple, accessible, and not too scary. Education scholar Herbert Cole has studied the way the civil rights movement is presented to children in literature and curriculum. He argues that when African Americans and European Americans are involved in confrontation in children's literature, the situation is routinely described as a problem between individuals that can be worked out on a personal basis. It is, one might say, whitewashed. In addition, the traditions of community solidarity, risk-taking, and organizing in Black communities are passed over in silence. The teachers that Cole interviewed often expressed fear that presenting more complex versions of history might frighten or disturb or confuse children. But as Cole writes, the story is complex, and it deserves to be told with appropriate complexity, rather than simplified or rendered innocuous. 
And Cole questions the idea that kids can't handle this kind of history. Rather, he argues, children can work through hard and painful questions of history, psychology, and culture if they are guided by a caring adult and provided with materials that challenge them. If Denise Lewis Patrick's books are any indication, Melody was designed to do exactly the kind of work Cole describes. Set in Detroit, Melody's story expands the struggle for civil rights into the North. She grapples with the difference between the legalized segregation her relatives face in the South and the more subtle but equally pervasive discrimination she and her family encounter in the urban North. Her story also reframes the civil rights struggle to include not only personal acts of prejudice, but more systemic oppression as well, like racist real estate practices that keep her family out of certain neighborhoods. Nor does the story shy away from the frightening violence of the civil rights era. When the 1963 bombing in Birmingham, Alabama, kills four young girls close to Melody's age, she is so horrified that she is unable to speak for several days. Ultimately, she learns to overcome her fear and keep fighting, a reminder that the bravery of all kinds of ordinary people was what made the movement so powerful. At the same time, the books provide the reader with a sort of community organizing 101, as Melody learns about different ways that a community might mobilize in response to oppression. She is inspired by the words of Dr. King and the boycotts in the South, but she's equally moved by the activism happening on the ground in her hometown. She participates in a local march, and she starts a junior block club to help restore her neighborhood playground, a project which ultimately teaches her how to level the power of public outrage against an apathetic city council. And she experiments with financial activism, too. When her sister is refused a job at the local bank because of the color of her skin, Melody withdraws her money. Her mother approves, saying, You know, your daddy says voting is a way to speak up for what we believe. Money has a voice, too. What we do with it says a lot about what we believe. But before we determine whether or not Melody is a radical toy, maybe we should also consider the actual doll. Like other American girl dolls, Melody is an 18-inch doll with a soft body, poseable arms and legs, and long hair. She comes wearing what the American Girl catalog describes as an authentic 1964 outfit featuring a bright A-line dress and a headband for her hair. Melody's other accessories, a felt hat with ribbon trim, a patent purse, cat-eye sunglasses, and a civil rights campaign button, are available for purchase, too. As this description suggests, a lot of the fun of Melody, like most American Girl dolls, comes from her outfits and accessories. You can buy her fancy floral dress, her Christmas outfit, her play outfit, her starry pajamas, and even her pet dog, Bo. These accessories and outfits correspond to descriptions of Melody from the books— In fact, for the right price, girls can bring whole scenes from the novels to life. In the second book, for example, Melody helps her brother, an aspiring Motown singer, record a song in the studio. Little girls can recreate this whole scene with the purchase of a full recording studio with headphones, a music stand, and even a working microphone. The scenes of Melody's activism, though, are largely absent from the website and catalog. You can purchase her Equal Rights in 63 pen, but that's about it. No posters from the march where Melody sees Dr. King speak or signs from the picket line she joins. Likewise, the most challenging scenes from the book don't translate easily into the language of outfits and accessories. 
you can't take the moment when a racist store owner accuses Melody of shoplifting and boil it down into a series of cute miniatures for purchase. This isn't just a problem for Melody. In general, the complex issues tackled in the American Girl books have never been fully represented in the accessories available for purchase. And maybe that's understandable. Maybe it would trivialize Melody's activism to turn her protest sign into a trinket to buy, on par with a sparkly headband or a set of pajamas. Nevertheless, it means that the dolls encourage a kind of play that is decidedly tamer than the storylines represented in the books. A girl inspired by the Melody novels might take her doll and stage a protest or imagine joining a march, but that's not what the catalog encourages or makes it easy for girls to do. And, of course, all of this play requires buying the doll in the first place, which will cost you $115. And that's just for the doll. Melody's fancy winter coat is an additional $34, and if you want her travel essentials, a suitcase filled with a towel and toiletries, that will be $48. That recording studio? A whopping $250. In 2013, the Huffington Post ran a response to Amy Schiller and her critique of American Girls' lost radicalism. The article points out that the radicalism of American Girl dolls has always been limited, relegated safely to the past, undercut by the company's emphasis on consumerism, and circumscribed by the limited audience that can afford to purchase such an expensive toy. I have fond memories of my American Girl doll, the author concludes, but really, how radical is a $105 doll that only brings history alive for the elite? The price has only gone up since 2013, and the question remains relevant. The irony of debuting such an expensive doll in a city that recently declared bankruptcy is apparently not lost on American Girl. In 2016, the company announced a donation of $175,000 in dolls, books, and money to Detroit public libraries. They also announced that a free Melody book would be available to any girl in Detroit who wanted one. That's a big step for the company. But what would be really radical is changing who has access to a doll like Melody to begin with. And that's exactly the kind of systemic overhaul that a character like Melody might like fighting for. This has been Death in Numbers, a podcast created and produced by the Humanities Media Project and the College of Liberal Arts at UT Austin and Liberal Arts Instructional Technology Services. I'm Caroline Pinkston. Notes for the show, including links and photos, can be found on our website, humanitiesmediaproject.org, Our theme music is Enthusiast by Tours. Thank you for listening.